0: Join us as we talk with Ben Krueger, the podcast educator, founder, and CEO of Cashflow Podcasting. Ben is dedicated to helping industry advocates start, launch, and grow world-class podcasts for their businesses. Using his podcast principles, we will show you how discovering your ideal client avatar leads to effective storytelling, allowing his clients to easily host shows that make a deep impact while reaching millions and driving sales. Find out the ironic nature of why not understanding this critical element of your sales cycle isn't going to cut it. On this episode of The Light Inside. Thank you for taking a moment to tune into this week's episode of The Light Inside. Join us on the Adventures, The Tales, and in the search for truths as we explore the people, the stories that guide us to The Light Inside. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Light Inside and visit us at thelightinside.us hello ben and welcome to the light inside i'm excited to chat today this should be fun
1: should be fun so you're over in columbus right i lived in columbus in ohio for a long time went to school at ohio state i actually live in burlington vermont now
0: really yeah oh yeah. yeah so you're you're on a totally uh totally different wavelength now
1: yeah, a little more, a little more East Coast. Yeah, we're up there in maple syrup country. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, more uh, more trees than people. That's for yeah, sure. Well, but that, that's a good thing in this time, right? That's definitely a good thing in general, and let alone this time. You're, you're sitting
0: back, <laughs> eating pancakes, and chilling while everybody else is worrying. I mean, you know, we've
1: we've got our our fair share up here, but it is funny our our population densities. Pretty low. I think we're actually the lowest population density state in the U.S. So really, even above Alaska. Um, I've, I've not. Yeah, you angry. would you would think, but oddly enough, uh, there just aren't there just aren't many people up here. So the capital. Actually, not even the capital city. Burlington's the biggest city, which is where we are. And that's 40,000 people with college students. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where are you located?
0: I am in Greenville, Ohio, about uh, two nice. hours due east over from Columbus. Halfway between uh, Columbus and Indy. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Out
1: in the middle of the cows and the corn. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty much where I grew up is cows and the corn. So I feel oh, Yeah. yeah. Feeling at
0: home, huh? Mm. I'm excited about this from from a lot of levels. Initially, when you, you branched out to me, it's like, yeah, let's look totally at uh, the podcast level, getting people up and running with that. But I think we got some opportunities to kind of branch that, and with the finding your audience level, yeah, you know, I think the two coincide. I'm gonna lead out and let you kind of kind of give your, uh, you know, your typical talking point. From the aspect of you know building building podcasts and starting podcasts, and I think it's real relevant right now. You know that's a crucial yeah. piece. I think you know I can help bring you in on with connecting you with our entrepreneur audience. You know so many people are trying to pivot and find you know an income level here, and also looking at engaging in coming out of. All of this and going into economic downturn, how to you know monetize some new money streams? I'm counting my blessings. I transitioned out of the uh, restaurant business two years ago. Thank goodness. <laughs> oh yeah, you you got good timing, my friend. Yeah, well, it, it was a matter of circumstance and luck is on my side in this one. So, <laughs> give us a little bit of background on cash flow podcasting and why you started that business.
1: Yeah, good question. So I actually was doing an internship in 2012 with a podcaster, Dan Andrews. At the time, he had the podcast, the Tropical MBA podcast, which is still running. And it's all about, you know, working from your laptop, location-independent business building. And so I was working with them as an intern in the Philippines, actually. I had nothing to do with the podcast when they first brought me on. I was actually helping out one of their business partners with marketing a resort in the Philippines. And we you know, had a couple of conversations over beers where he was saying that he really wanted more... He wanted his team to be freed up to be working on other things than podcast production. And I had done video production and some basic audio production in, in high school and college and figured, how hard can it be? So we, <laughs> like we anything, right? yeah, so, you know, I was like, hey, I can take over the podcast and on, on a trial basis. And he was like, nope, not interested. I was like, Oh, and he's like, if you're if, if this isn't a trial basis thing, if you want to take it over, like, let's sit down, let's map out a way that this can really work incredibly well and smoothly and support the show support what we're trying to do. And so I was like, Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. So we had a handshake deal and they became my first client and really liked our work really liked the process that we built together and so they started sending other folks from the podcast listenership from their membership from you know their events and that kind of stuff my way if they wanted to start a podcast and so we started as a podcast production company but in working on their show on the post production and seeing how they used it as a business tool seeing how they used it as an audience engagement tool and understanding the business and marketing side of their podcast That's what really got me excited. So over time, we've developed processes around uh, helping folks plan, create, and launch podcasts that are highly effective from a business standpoint. So that's kind of the the rundown, but been going at this since 2012 here. (laughs) Awesome. So
0: why is it such an incredible time and opportunity right now in this moment to start a podcast and to use that as a leader in the business space.
1: Yeah. So we're, we're in interesting times here. Um, you know, there's a lot of things shifting. There's a lot of folks who lost their job or their job is in question. And essentially there's no stability. There's no status quo. There's no, you know, the, uh, how it always has been. And, So things like live events, things like conferences, those kind of things just aren't possible right now. And we'll phase back in over time here. But where we're at is folks are scared. They're concerned as to what's going on. They're not really sure what to do. And so this is the time, if you are a leader in your space in some manner, to be a leader, to be someone who is looking out for other people, who is connecting, informing, guiding. And so essentially you can be an educator and an advocate for these folks during this, this challenging time, during this, you know, uh, time where folks just aren't sure what's going to happen or, or what's going to happen in their personal circumstances. And podcasting is just one of those virtual tools that allows you to, build an audience, to lead, to educate, to advocate at scale, and to do so while social distancing, while in quarantine, while at home, while at the office, so that folks can really engage with you now and in the future over time as things continue to shift and maybe go back a little bit more towards normal, but maybe not. So I think I read an amazing article by Dan Sullivan, the strategic coach, Uh, he wrote it way back in 2014 about how to be a leader during challenging and scary times. And it's fantastic and it really got me thinking, but it's about if you want to be a leader, forgetting about yourself, forgetting about, you know, your situation, forgetting about the sale, forgetting about, you know, what you have and more focusing on others. How can you serve? How can you lead? How can you create value? How can you create relationships and gratitude and so podcasting is just one vehicle that allows you to do that. So I realize I'm going pretty broad there, um, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's a, you know, that's the important part. You
0: no, know, that's, that's kind of the reality. And if you break it down, it's a natural extension of what a lot of people are doing in their businesses. You know, we're taking the office space and putting it in a box (laughs) and you're speaking from that box, you know, you're, you're addressing Mm -hmm. your teams from a box. We're addressing each other in our interactions through zoom, you know, basically in the box, you know, we're taking our speaking engagements and putting them in the box. You know, there's a little bit of hesitancy in people and putting themselves out there that way. I feel because Mm -hmm. it feels like another new platform. How would you, Kind of broadly engage people with that to bridge that mentality because it is a mindset of, you know, I'm afraid to get out there and put myself like, you know, out in that way, out there like that.
1: Yeah, so I see it as being being a prominent individual who has something to say is not about you and this is something i will i will happily <laughs> like <laughs> fully admit that this is something that i've been challenged with for a long time i do not i'm not the guy that likes to be in the spotlight i would rather be the guy behind the scenes behind the stage and so what i would say to folks who are concerned about you know kind of this being another platform or or another avenue here is Yes, it is another platform. It is another avenue. It is another way for you to communicate, to share what you have to share, to connect with people in a meaningful way and to help them at the end of the day. So it's not about you or spewing out what you know or, you know, what's the what's the immediate next thing that podcasting is going to help me get. It is what are the best vehicles for me to share what I know my gift my capability my understanding with others so they can see for themselves a new gift capability understanding or result and so when you switch the where the flashlight or the spotlight is pointed if you consider it you know the spotlight being pointed at me then it's a challenging mindset but if you flip it around and you look at it as a way to show up better for the people that you're there to serve that you're there to help then, at least for me, that that significantly reduces this, you know, tension around being in the spotlight in a new platform.
0: So, with that in mind, you know, you
1: work a lot with building successful podcasts,
0: uh, helping people launch and guiding them to make that step in your cash flow podcasting platform you have a format called the eight podcast principles and how they lead to highly effective podcasts. Could you share those with us
1: today? Absolutely. Um, And this is something we've been developing over, over years of doing podcasting um, for businesses. And keep in mind, this is for folks who want to podcast around a business or organization to kind of help build their platform and their audience. You know, if you're a hobby podcaster, that's fantastic, but these aren't going to be as applicable for you. But what it is, is the principles are essentially the categories or the fundamental truths that are true among successful business podcasts. Um, And then on top of each of those principles, there's various strategies you can take to ensure that that principle is, is used properly. So a perfect example and something, you know, we were talking a little bit about here before the call is principle number one, which is your objective. And the fundamental idea here is starting with the end in mind when you start to when you consider creating a podcast or when you have a podcast and it's up and running, the one of the things that I see happening all the time is folks go out and start a podcast because they want to start one because they've heard that they should, or they get encouraged by others that they should and they want to grow their audience and maybe be seen as more of an authority. None of those things are bad things, but that's not a very clear objective and that's not a very clear Outcome that you're going for. And so the principle of objective is starting with the end in mind on a few fronts. One, how is the podcast going to tie into what you're already doing? How does it tie into your website, your speaking engagements, your products and services, your marketing channels, those kind of things? And two, how, you know, what result do you want the podcast to help you achieve? for people. So that's kind of one example. And there's there's eight categories. We can kind of dive into each one or however however you want to go about it, Jeffrey. But the the principles allow people to pick and choose the strategies that are going to work for them and still use kind of a framework that they know is going to work well while having that creative flexibility of doing something that really shines through their message, their brand, you know, and what they're all about. So what exactly are the three top things that you
0: feel stop leaders from starting a podcast?
1: <laughs> yeah, this is, this is great because one of, the, one of the most common things I hear when I first start uh, having conversations with folks who wanna start a podcast is, I've wanted to you know, start a podcast or have a podcast for months, a lot of times years. And usually there's a few things that kind of stop them in their tracks. One is they're overwhelmed and they're trying to piece it all together themselves. So, what that looks like is you know, there's tons of information and opinions out there. There's tons of different strategies. There's so many different technical platforms. There's a bunch of different recording methodologies and a bunch of different, you know, setup and equipment options. So, what I have found to be the solution here is to find one process or system find one person's approach to podcasting and model that to get started because where people get stuck is they look at oh i like you know they'll they'll kind of do the analysis by paralysis thing and they'll have six ebooks on how to start a podcast and they'll have you know have bought three courses and maybe they bought a few microphones but they don't actually get started because they're trying to piece it all together from various sources so you know a perfect example of of this uh, michael kitz's is a, the host of financial advisor success podcast and you know he already had a full-time job had multiple businesses at the time so he had no time, uh, but knew he wanted to podcast and he wanted to do it right. And he had gone through some of the resources that we share as, as a company, but knew that he needed help doing it uh, and, and getting it set up for him. So really what it looks like is he wanted a proven system and process so that he could focus on being the talent. So that is that is the core For, you know, instead of getting going off on on various tangents or analysis by paralysis, just use one proven system. And then once it's up and rolling, you can tweak and improve and and evolve from there as opposed to, you know, if the podcast isn't out there, it can't help anybody, including you. So I think that's the key one that that. Start, you know, at the very beginning and very similar, but kind of the next piece here is folks try to do it all themselves. And a lot of times this is from a financial perspective of, of wanting to make sure they can do it on a cost effective basis. And I am absolutely a huge fan of using you know, cost effective methods. But what I will definitely say is get help at whatever level you can afford. So that might just be software that simplifies the process, or that might be an assistant that can help you with some of the smaller tasks and some of the, you know, more time consuming things, where, essentially, you as the expert, you as the person who knows the space, you want to be spending as much of your time on moving the ball forward and on sharing your expertise and your message as you can. So if you can afford a service that helps you out, awesome. If you can afford a, an assistant that comes in part-time, a virtual assistant, awesome. If you can't and you, know, you still want to podcast, you want to do it right, and you can afford a little bit of software that's going to help systemize and simplify some of the process, amazing. At whatever level, there is no right or wrong answer. But I advocate for folks to not try to do it all themselves and be a hero because the time involved just can kind of grow and grow and grow. So those are the the two things that I see stopping people from actually starting. And then what I see happening a lot is when people start a podcast, but they're not really getting much results from it. Usually happens, and this ties back into our principle number one here: is they don't start with the end in mind for the podcast, so they don't have a much strategy involved. They're not using some kind of principles of marketing with their podcast. It a lot of times it's very creative, or it just straight up models exactly what some other buddy, you know, some other podcast is doing, and so. The solution here really is to have clear objectives and goals for how the podcast is going to help and and support your business and your organization and what you're doing and how it's going to help and support the audience that you're looking to serve and what those desired outcomes are for them. So that's that's kind of the three big things that we see and some approaches that can help help folks you know get started and kind of get past some of those pieces
0: um, you shared a wonderful article the other day on your mailing list about looking at your target audience and this goes goes for saying with any business uh, whether you're car salesman you're creating a brand you're building a social media following or you're trying to attract a media audience. I'm looking at how to target where you're placing that product. You're a huge believer in the saying that riches are in the niches. (laughs) Give us a little insight how you arrived at that.
1: Yeah, so uh, experience actually, um, <laughs> and and seeing shows that that do really well and seeing others that flop is an amazing. You know, I've I've been really lucky to get to see kind of on the front row what's working and what's not over over many iterations of that same uh, approach. So I, I think I think this is really. Well highlighted in a in kind of a story form here because uh, one of the one of the clients that we work with is a he helps dental practice owners build long term wealth through real estate investing. His name is David Phelps. Fantastic podcast and the audience that he has for his entire brand and his podcast is dental practice owners who want to build long-term wealth for themselves without uh, being tied to the stock market. And it's so specific. It's so dialed in and clear as to exactly who his audience is that when people come across his content, when people come across what he's created, the resources, his talks, his podcast, it rings so true for them because they see themselves described in what he's talking about. Whereas kind of on the opposite end of that, someone who we work with uh, a client early on talked about herself as a women's entrepreneur coach. And so essentially her brand, she, she created content and she talked about things all the way from People trying to get their first client, uh, you know, women trying to get their first client as an entrepreneur, or as a coach or, you know, opening a, a jewelry store all the way to CEOs of $10 million plus companies. And so someone who stumbles across that content, they might say, oh, yeah, I'm a woman entrepreneur, but it really doesn't dial in to the point where they feel that connected with what she's doing, because it's not directly speaking to them. It's speaking to too wide of a range of individuals who have different goals. They've got different challenges. They're at different stages. So what it comes down to for audience selection for, for picking the best audience possible is to get as specific as possible. And I like to say, you know, I like to think about it as a, the best audience is one specific group of people that you help solve one specific problem. And we can go into that a little bit, but that's kind yeah. of the, oh, yeah. you the know, that's, that. that's what I get excited about. <laughs> me
0: too. That's a crucial thing. It's that mindset of operating from a place of lack. You feel like you are going to exclude a portion of a target audience or miss a client base or lose a potential sale. And that's so important. Um, you know, it's a fear-based reaction, and uh, you know, that's limiting because you are trying in the process to reach out and grab everything you could possibly grab. I was thinking about that a little bit this morning, and as I thought about it, it's a lot like the Alanis Morissette song, Ironic. There's a line in there that goes, it's like having 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. You know, having those ten thousand spoons is like throwing spoons against the wall. You know, you're you're trying to eat, you're trying to feed yourself with these spoons, but all you really need is a knife. You know that if that client needs a knife, you're not solving the problem they need. I love it. If you don't have the knife, you're not going to cut it.
1: Yeah. Oh, buddy. Oh, that came full circle. That was pretty. That was pretty.
0: It's like having 10,000 spoons, but all your client needs, all your prospective customer or person you're working to solve a problem with needs is a knife. And you've spent all of your time focusing on 10,000 spoons. I love it you could try to spoon feed your content to potential listeners, to potential clients, but you know, they're not really ready to hear that message at the moment, you, know, you haven't figured out where that emotional contact is. And you know, it's it's just not going to connect with you the same way that if you take the time to sit down, work through, you know, a number of things, you know, who is my optimal customer? And by doing that, you have to sit and focus on what is the primary problem I focus on for a very specific targeted group. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the further you refine that down and figure out, I solve this specific problem, the more chances you become at attracting that kind of customer and understanding them. You know, If you understand that problem in and out, up and down from every possible angle you can, it makes it easier to communicate what that problem is. It makes it easier to relate and it makes it easier to connect and you're talking their language.
1: And it makes it a lot easier for you to find those people too as a business.
0: Exactly. You know, you know exactly who to go, what their habits are, where to target them and how to talk to them. You know, you have to focus specifically on what it is that you solve. Um, You know, it's critical to build that relatability factor, giving a client, a listener or whoever the uh, sense that the person that's talking to them, the connecting with them understands your problem. And is ready to help you work through that issue. You know, and that's where yeah. you can help your value as a partner. You become a partner, not just somebody that's that's uh you know working the sales angle
1: that's trying to be that cold salesman. Yeah, there's um I forget it was it was one of the old school, you know, classic copywriters who said something about, you know, when you understand someone's problem and can communicate it to them better than they can communicate it to themselves, they will naturally assume that you have a solution to their problem. Yeah. Uh, now, you have to be able to actually help them and help them get results. But if you can communicate that so clearly to them that they resonate with it immediately and that it, you know, hits the, hits the uh, nail right on the head, that's nine tenths of the battle.
0: Yeah, you know it's where that buzzword social proof comes in. You walk the walk and you talk the talk. And then delivering the messaging, the platform, the story that conveys that forward then to that customer that I see you, I hear you, I understand your problems, but I am here to listen to you, hear what those problems are. And that that has to be the crucial shift is I am listening to you. Not only do I understand, but I you have to then take that and shift it that I am listening to you. Because if you're not engaging them that way, then it becomes that whole cycle again of I'm telling you what you need
1: yeah and what I think is interesting here is like it's not you know the the idea of of wanting a broad targeting audience and not wanting to exclude people that is as natural as you know the sun coming up in the morning everybody yeah. goes through you know cycles of that and I think at the beginning of any brand of any company of any offering there's always a dialing it in period where you're in the process of figuring out, okay, what is the best way that I can help people? What is the core of the problem I solve for people? And who are the people that actually benefit the most from that? Who are my people that I help them solve this problem? Because you know, any, any company or idea um, getting started from the very beginning, that's going to be a moving target and that's okay and that's natural. But what I find if you start totally broad and you start with you know, we can help uh, e-commerce stores with online marketing. <laughs> you're you are not going to really resonate for anybody, and then you're not going to get enough traction in any one direction to refine it down to where you can clearly speak to. You know, we help Shopify owners with their email marketing, that kind of thing. Because then. Then what you can do is you can build upon that. You can build different sections on top of it. But if you start broad, it's really hard to go the other way around. Again, it's becoming that
0: zeroing in and finding the laser focus on what you do. And, you, know, you mentioned with you know coming in as a coaching or a consultant, you know, I help coach entrepreneurs, I help coach, you know, women in business, but that's one level you can go a step beyond that. I help business women, entrepreneurs, or whoever that person X is, do a very specific thing, you know, like you, I help you establish a successful podcast, you know, so that burrows it down to a very specific targeted focus. And, you know, I think when you do that, you can become a cheerleader to help them get to that next level because you are
1: speaking right to that problem. I like that uh, cheerleader concept. We we like to use the word advocate. You are... Yeah, an advocate. And we, it's kind of funny, our targeting, the people that we help is we call them industry advocates, because they're not just, we we define them as people who lead in their industry, they consider themselves educators and connectors. And they're there to develop their clients to develop their team to develop the industry and help the industry move forward as a whole not to cut a bigger slice of the pie for themselves they're very much a you know rising tide brings with it all ships kind of a mentality and they have that long-term mentality of service and of you know being there to make an impact and a positive impact so uh, you know it doesn't matter if they're in the finance industry or the law industry or whatever industry. It's more of a psychographic. It's more of a mentality of do they consider themselves an advocate for their audience and for their industry? Boom. Those are our people.
0: There, there's a whole psychology to it. And you know, I think that element is overlooked very often in the whole business realm. You know, uh, Mention it pretty frequently, you know, and it's it's like that concept of a needy date. You know, you go out with this person, <laughs> and after you connect, it becomes why didn't you call? You know, where have you been? When are we going out next? Um, why are you not texting me? It's it's demand after demand after demand, and once you do that, they are constantly operating from that space of need. Mm -hmm. And you're not looking at the other perspective. What can I do to add value for you? You know, you don't stop and say, "What are your needs?" You know, you have to keep that in perspective that you your clients are coming to you to do that fix to take them to that place or bring that necessary piece to them. And you can quickly see when you're looking at it from that model of the needy date that it just becomes that headache that. You know, you're not adding a lot of value to this relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you can think about it, you know, as as a listener, let's say whether you're starting a business, you've been in business for a while, you're busy. You've got things on your plate. You've got your own problems of the day, your problems of the month, your crises going on, and you've got goals and objectives, things that you're trying to do. When you see a, a Facebook ad or something that doesn't feel like it speaks to you, you don't give it an instant mental space because you're busy, you've got things going on. So in order for anything to connect with folks, your message, whether it's in a podcast, whether it's in a blog or an email or you know, any kind of, of communication medium, needs to be specific to those individuals. And it's okay when people just breeze past it and don't connect with it because they're not your people or they're not in a position to need the solution that you have that you can help them out with. They don't have the problem that you can specifically help them out with, or they're not in a position where they're ready to address it and solve it it's not painful enough for them yet. So you can kind of think of yourself as, you know, as you're going along, you know, I, you know when you find something that like really hooks in your attention because they understand where you're at, the thing that you're trying to address better a lot of times than you can communicate to yourself.
0: You know, it's it's looking at that angle, what can I increase or decrease for this person? And you can break it down that simple. You know, becoming focused on being the expert fixer of that problem and what is most important to them. And then going on to craft what your million dollar message is to sell them on that solution. You know, And when you do that, you open up this door to become this magnetic attractor that draws that client to you. You know, I've looked at it and come up with like this simple formula of breaking that down. And I you know I've gotten some of this information through a number of channels and through a number of conversations. But the simple formula is I help client W, who is your ideal client, your ideal avatar, and then looking at I help them achieve or do X, which is the problem that you solve specifically. You know, one very specific thing or, you know, a couple very specific things that tie together and fit in a neat basket. What is that problem you solve? And then you go on to say, so that they can, why? Why is the result? Why are they coming to me? You know, what is the result or value that I'm adding to that person? And -hmm. then you go on to say, by doing why for them, it allows them to feel By doing why, they are without this problem or they feel the emotional feeling they're going to feel or get from the solution you provide. And the more you can tap into that emotional feeling, you know, how am I going to feel when I fix this? If you can sell to that point, that creates a much stronger magnet than just I'm going to solve that problem. You know, if you can actually paint the picture that they're stepping into that next step of when I solve that problem, it's going to help me to feel like this. It creates a much bigger magnet of attraction because you are actually paying the entire picture of how that process of interacting with you is going to play out.
1: I love that because what you're doing is you're tapping into the story that's already happening in their head. And if you can help them paint the next chapter of what that can look like for them, what's possible for them, then you become the person who can help them make that a reality versus if they are creating it as they go or if they're making it up as they go, you know, A, they might not even realize that that's possible for them. And B, they may not have the vision of what's possible, but have no idea how to get from A to B. So you can be that guide and you can be the the person that helps them essentially create or step into that new vision of themselves, which let's be honest, that's what, that's what we all are trying to do over yeah. time. So, you yeah. uh, know, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it really gets to the fundamental core of how you can help people and how you can really kind of tap into what really what really feels meaningful for them.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's figuring out what they truly want and need and then bringing them to that arrival, to that destination. And that's crucial. You know, by doing yeah. that, you're defining their biggest goals or desire, what they want to achieve. And if you're putting that right out there, it's like, yeah, you know, they're going to help me get to this place. And then connecting to that, then bringing you know, their biggest dreams and aspirations together. You know, where are we going Beyond just, you know, making this cash flow, beyond solving this problem, where do we want to connect this bigger vision with, you know, our company or our product, our audience? And how do we solve that? I love it. Why does that matter to them? Why does it matter to them specifically? And what will make that easier? You know, what are you doing to make that easier? And how does this solution, the solution of the product that you're presenting or the, the angle you're presenting benefit them?
1: Yeah. And one immediate example that jumps to mind for me, we've got a, we work with a gal who has a podcast where she works with women physicians to help them lose weight. And, To talk more to your point of that vision for themselves, she she doesn't do it through boot camps and through, you know, a lot of the kind of things that you think about when you think about losing weight of, you know, uh, going through diets and lifting weights and, you know, hitting the gym a bunch or joining Zumba classes or whatever. Her whole thing is... Through helping women have a healthier relationship with their body, with their foods, uh, and with food in general, and helping them address and shift their unhealthy mindsets around, uh, essentially their mindset and relationship with healthy living and the opposite side of that, like unhealthy foods, unhealthy, you know, diet, unhealthy work patterns, because a lot of times for women physicians, particularly, that can be a huge factor because they're taking on everybody else's stress and work long, hard hours that are, you know, very emotional. So I think that's a really interesting one that that kind of ties in as a beautiful example of having their best interest at heart, helping them solve a problem and having a clear way of doing it that helps them paint a picture because her whole thing is helping them paint a picture of themselves as a person who is no longer guided by or entrapped by thoughts about their body not being, you know, as attractive as it should be, or them being Um, overweight or stuck in a place to where they're never going to be as fit as they want to be or as they were in college kind of a thing. So it's kind of that freedom from this imprisonment of diets and hard exercise and struggle. So it's kind of a, a vision of what healthy living can look like for someone who. Um, has not historically had the ability, or the you know ability to tap into that feeling of health. Yeah, I love that idea you
0: presented of painting a picture, and I'm going to tell you a story. It's a story from my history and my past. Back during the 90s, I was working with General Motors as a production worker. Of all things, you know, I was never cut out to be a production worker, but I've learned a lot of things about that period. But during that time, I was also working as a wildlife artist uh, doing the whole you know painting during the week on weekends and then going out on weekends and doing traveling art shows i met a very fabulous gentleman by the name of john siri lester you know during the 90s when wildlife art was kind of having a boom heyday john was kind of known as a luminary in that business uh, Fantastic man, but John was known as this great storyteller. And I was going through this whole phase of, you know, this whole same process. How do you paint art? How you sell art, you know, and thinking that when you're creating that art, you're creating something from emotional space, how you're thinking what you're seeing, how you view that picture, and then going out and trying to sell that idea to somebody. It ties back in full circle here. You know, I watched John. John would do these shows and people were just lining up to talk with John, you know, and John would sit down and they'd look at a picture and they'd come up and John would jump up very excited, you know, oh, I see you're looking at this picture. And, you know, the person would be like, yeah, this is fantastic. There'd be a picture of a cabin, so to say. And the person would look at the cabin and say, you know, I grew up and we went to a place out in the woods and we vacationed in the summers at a cabin just like that. And John would flip on the switch. Yeah, you know, we had a cabin just like that. And when I was little, we'd go out and we'd fish. And, you know, my dad would throw the rock off the pier with me and da-da-da-da. And, you know, I just that was like the most magical place for me. And when we went there, it was just <laughs> so fantastic. And we spent all of our summers there. And you know, we had a boat. And he's he's going on to paint all these pictures. And the people are, yeah, yeah we did the same. And we get done. And John would be, up at the end, sign the check, painting sold, you know. And we're talking, you know, fairly pricey collector-level artwork. And I watch this guy's like, "How is he doing this? How is he flipping these sales?" And you know, basically just you know handing these paintings to people and saying, "Pass the check," and you know they're all going off all giddy and happy. John said, "Let me tell you what." There's one key to that. He said, "It doesn't matter why you create anything you make or sell. What matters is how it connects with somebody else." Mm-hmm. And the quicker you tap into that story and that line and that emotion, the quicker they're going to want to accept it. The quicker that's going to become a part of their life and the quicker they're going to take that on to become a part of their history and their story going forward. He said, didn't matter yeah. why I painted it. Yeah. But it's understanding what they were getting excited about and. What emotional attachment they had to that. So if you figure out how to take your products and from a problem solving level, if you can solve a problem for somebody or create that kind of connection with what you're doing, you're just tying into the story that they already have. You're not trying to sell them your story.
1: Yeah, I love I love that as an example because what he's actually selling, you know, the physical thing is a painting. But the thing that he's actually selling is them, a reminder for them of a good memory.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's what we yeah. want, all of our interactions. You know, we want Absolutely. positiveness in our life. We want happiness. We want things that make us feel joyful. Sometimes when we're just pitched at, it becomes a whole nother struggle with the money and value of things. And it's not about what it's done to make our lives better or increase or enrich that life. It's not about Mm -hmm. what brings us happiness or joy. And if you can tie into how you relate what you do into that, that's a powerful mover. Big time. That's a powerful mover. And if you watch anybody that is successful in the sales arena, it's not because they know their product. Well, most of them, you know, they they figure out what they're doing, but the ones that really succeed and excel. Become an excellent connector with people. They become, you know, thoroughly enmeshed with how that person is engaging and interacting with them.
1: Yeah, and what I like about this is it's so much uh, deeper than saying, "Oh, I sell I sell my product to twenty eight year olds uh, <laughs> that are in good shape and that you know X, Y, and Z." It it really kind of taps into the principle or the foundation of the psychographics and, and where that person is with their own mentality and their own story and where they where they want to be more of the time, which, you know, yeah, is whether yeah. that's a memory or whether that's somewhere <laughs> they're trying to go. I, yeah, I really like that. I really yeah, like that's that. That's a
0: really broad net to throw out there. You know, I attract the 28 year old fitness enthusiast. That's a broad net figuring out what stimulates them on that level brings them to you. You know, you're not selling to them. You are creating a scenario they are already engaged and in love with. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that ties all back into understanding you don't need 10,000 spoons. All you need is a knife.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alanis Morissette for the win. Alanis for the win. It's so ironic. It's so ironic. That's great. I think I think I need to make a mental note. Like Every, every interview or every piece of content I do needs to now tie back into Alanis Morissette. That should be that should be a personal challenge. <laughs> oh, uh,
0: that would be great. Kind of like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? It's gonna be like the twelve degrees of Alanis Morissette now <laughs>
1: exactly. We're <laughs> the exactly. ten
0: thousand spoons. However, that plays out. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> been anyway, i've 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 told that same angle from another of different ways, and I'm like, I can't keep beating that same drum. And so, how do I switch that up in a way that's even more relevant? So, that took what I was doing before and makes it even more relevant, you know. And there again, it's it's studying what connects with people. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty easy to see that if you've got 10,000 spoons, that's a lot of darn spoons. And if nobody wants those spoons, That's a lot of burden. That's a lot of struggle. If you're Mm -hmm. trying to pitch to 10,000 people and they don't want spoons, that's a lot of struggle. But if you've got one person that needs a knife, how hard is it to give one person a single knife?
1: That's the beauty in it all. It's that yep, easy. the knife that sells itself. It's, the, that sells it's, the, itself. It's, it's like the, the Ginsu. Sell me this pen. You it, know, it's from... the Ginsu of marketing. It's <laughs> uh, the knife that go. sells itself, right? <laughs> there we go. Uh, well,
0: that's come full circle. Okay. <laughs> uh. What else can you share with our audience by listening to your podcast or by visiting Cashflow Podcasting that would create value for them?
1: Yeah, great question. So if you are, are thinking about using podcasting as part of your business, as part of your brand, as part of your way to engage with with folks, we've developed a bunch of free tools and resources at cashflowpodcasting.com. You can learn the other podcast principles and and some of those elements that need to be baked in for a podcast to be as successful as possible and to engage on as deep a level as possible you know kind of like Jeffrey and I have been talking about here what i see it as is it can serve as that one proven process and system that you can follow to set up a, an effective podcast and that if folks want help we have a service put together where we can we can work with folks but our entire process is there for free because our mindset around this, you know, our mission is to help folks be industry advocates. And a big part of that is knowing the tools and strategies and principles to be effective. So um, we see it as we give away our process and the how-to for free. Um, so the folks who you know can't afford or don't have access to the funds or, or resources to afford a done-for-you service, they can still invest their own time and energy to still have that high level impact and that high level capability of sharing their message and, and connecting with folks. And if folks want the the shorter version and the way to do it where, you know, they can just be the talent and the topic expertise and the host of their own show and they've got a team and a system supporting them, you know, obviously we've got we've got an approach for that as well. But I'm a big fan of using one approach or one strategy or one you know proven process and, and system to do something. So if you want a podcast to support your business, hopping over to cashflowpodcasting.com. Um, we've got a full page of free resources there, including a book and a self-assessment and a couple other things that are going to help you really jumpstart that journey.
0: Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that with us. You know, this has been really educational for me, you know, of course, as a podcaster looking at a lot of these angles um you know it's been great talking with you sharing all these ideas want to thank you so much it's been such a blessing to have you today i really love that whole idea of becoming an advocate of you know going out and helping others and doing for others
1: so i really appreciate that thank you thank you jeffrey yeah i'm i'm i feel blessed to be able to share what we do know and share what we've learned over time. Cause you know, <laughs> we've, we've taken a few licks to figure it out over time. So hopefully, hopefully everybody else's process can be a little bit smoother here. <laughs>
0: that's what it's all about is finding that way to that next step. So thank you for sharing that with us. I really appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Discovering your ideal client avatar is the crucial element to building the relatability factor. by giving the sense that the person you are connecting with understands you and is ready to help you work as a valued partner. When you do, you become the cheerleader to get them to the next level. What can I increase or decrease for this person? Being focused on being the expert fixer of that problem alone makes you an irresistible, attractive magnet for that specific customer or listener. It makes you a super attractor.